Come on, let's love him. He washed as white as snow. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We adore you. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for salvation. Somebody ought to praise him right now. There ought to be a praise. No matter who you are, there ought to be a praise coming out of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. Thank you for reaching for me when, I, when you were not even on my mind. Thank you, God, that while I was yet a sinner, you died on the cross for me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I praise you. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. I praise you. Praise you. I praise you. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Come on, can you send up a love to him? Can you love him? Can you love him? Can you love him right now? Can you love him? Thank him. Thank him. Thank him for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to tell you, when you're one of those that he has brought out of the depth of sin, ha! I guess you have to decide, are you that, you that Pharisee that sat up on the chair, that Simon that sat up on the chair and, and, and looked at the little harlot woman that made her way through the door to wipe the feet of Jesus with her tears and make the comment of Jesus knew who this woman was. He, he would never let her touch him. But the Lord looks back and says, oh, oh, it's because I know who she is that I let her come. Simon, tell me, whom loves the most? The one who was least forgiven or the one who was most forgiven? Well, I suppose it would be the one who was the most. That's why when I came in, you didn't even offer me water to wash my feet. But this woman has yet to stop to wash my feet with the tears from her face and with the hairs from her head. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's something about it. When he sets you free, when he brings you out, when he redeems you, when he washes you clean, when he takes sin out of your life, oh, to praise him, to praise him, to love him, to thank him. Ah, what a power, what a presence, what an anointing. <laughs> I feel like there's somebody here today, you're thankful. You're thankful. 
you love him, you're grateful. Ha! Oh, if you would have known me before he knew me, you'd know why I shout, you'd know why I dance, you'd know why I clap my hands, you'd know why I jump, you'd know why I leap, you'd know why I run, you'd know why, you'd know why, you'd know why. What a salvation. What a salvation. What a Savior. What a Christ. What a love. <laughs> what a presence. For the glory of God that is here. Come on one more time. Can we love him together? Can we love him together? Oh, we love you. We love you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We adore you, Jesus. We adore you, Lord. We adore you. Book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. All of our guests that are here today, God bless you. Thank you for coming. We're so honored that you are with us. It is our prayer that the Lord will touch you in some miraculous way today. That before you leave this place here this afternoon... You will say in your heart, surely the presence of the Lord was there. It is our prayer that you will be able to leave from here with something greater than what you came. An experience in repentance, an experience in being touched of him and touching him. Maybe baptism in his wonderful name. We have a baptism ready. You've never been buried in Jesus' name. I would be honored to be able to do that for you here today. Maybe never filled with his spirit. God wants to fill you with his power here today. He's an incredible God. He loves you. He died for you. Shed his blood for you. He's come to heal, provide. He's come to touch you in miraculous, miraculous ways. If you were not here Wednesday night, I encourage you to go to the website and listen to uh, the podcast, uh, we began to launch a message concerning uh, that it is, the Bible tells us it is important that we speak the same thing, that we proclaim the same thing, that we are not a church of people who are divided and scattered, not knowing whom we believe in and what we believe about him and his word. It's important that we are of one mind, one focus, one word, one mouth, one doctrine, one speak. And we touched on that on Wednesday night. Today I want to talk to us by the help of the Holy Ghost on the subject of repentance. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them you need to repent. We need to repent. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Repentance is one of the foundational doctrines taught in all areas of the Word of God. John showed up preaching repentance. Jesus preached repentance. The disciples preach repentance, and the church of the living God must continue to preach repentance. Not only preach it, 
But we must practice it. We must practice it. It must be a part of the church. Ezekiel 36, 24. For I will take you from among the heathen. Say, that's me. Ezekiel is prophesying about the church of the living God here. The coming of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When he would bring the heathen out from the world. Redeem them through his blood. For I will take you from among the heathen. I will gather you out of the countries. And will bring you unto your own land. And you can look at this as a direct prophecy to Israel. Or you can look at it also it's twofold. As a prophecy of the coming church. Our own land being the kingdom of God. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. And ye shall be clean from all of the filthiness. And from all of your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statues. Now let me just stop right there. And I'm not going to teach on this today. But I'm going to tell you it is foolishness what the churches are preaching today. That all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. And that there are no commands for you to follow. He said I will put my spirit in you. And my spirit will cause you to walk in my statues. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. You cannot be saved without commands. You cannot be saved without doctrine. You cannot be saved without being obedient to the word and the commands of God. This is not a free for all. I feel a little bit of anointing coming on. But that's not my sermon today. Ye shall dwell in the land and I will give to you, you, I will give to your fathers And ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will also save you from all uncleanness. And I will call... I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field. You shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. And then look at verse number 31. God said, I'm going to do all of these things to you. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be upon you. I'm going to remove the ungodliness out of your life. I'm going to put my spirit in your heart it's going to cause you to follow my ways and obey the command of the law and then verse 31 then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abomination I want to tell you that repentance is something that ought to be a part of the church every day that we wake up we ought to recognize the blessings of God in our life and 
we ought to be thankful where he brought us from. But we should also recognize that we do not deserve any of this. And that we every day we should repent of our sins and our uncleanliness. I loathe my flesh. I loathed this humanity. It keeps me from knowing him better. It separates me from his divine presence. I want to crucify the old man that I might know him greater. That I might walk with God in his presence and in his power. Clap your hands to the Lord. Let's praise him for a moment. Everybody say, Lord, help the preacher. Say, Lord, help me. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to tell you that one of the reasons why you and I do not walk as close to God as maybe we would desire in our heart to be is because we have forgotten the art of repentance. We have forgotten how to actually get on our face and open up our lives before God and pour ourselves out before Him. I want to tell you right now the reason why most of us have some troubles in our life, troubles in our marriage, troubles in our families, troubles on our job, troubles within, situations going on, is because we have forgotten how to get on our face and cry before God and ask him to forgive us and to be honest with God God I'm full of pride I'm full of arrogance I'm full of greed I'm full of lust God I don't like what I see in me God, I don't like this old flesh. I don't like the old man that keeps trying to rise up and rule in my life. And the only way we're going to keep him crucified is if we learn how to repent on a daily basis. God is not talking to us today about some little I lay myself down to sleep. He's not talking about some little prayer where I get up in the morning and I say, God, I have sinned. Forgive me of my sin. I'm talking about good old fashioned where you snot and slobber and cry and weep and open your heart before God and say like David, God search me if there's any unclean thing in me reveal it I want to know what it is so I can repent of it I want to get it out of my heart I want to get it out of my life I want to walk closer with you God clap your hands to the Lord come on give him praise give him praise I'm telling you Repentance is a, is a lost act amongst us. Even in praying people through, we'll walk them down an aisle. We don't even know what their past is. We don't hardly give them time to repent. We try to pray them through to the Holy Ghost. And many times God surely does give it to them. But the scripture that I read to us today, it said, After I put my spirit in you, 
after I have blessed you, after I have cleansed you, after I have done these things, after you have obeyed my word, after all of this, I'm telling you, he said it's these things that should cause you and me to recognize just how much we truly need God. The reason why you think you're all right is because you haven't looked at yourself lately. I dare you to walk to ten people and ask an honest, an honest opinion. You'll probably walk away with ten less friends if they're truly honest. Well, I think you're a little stuck on yourself. Well, if you want my honest opinion, I don't like your attitude most of the time. And, of course, it goes both ways. If you want my honest, if you're asking my honest opinion, and the list could just go on and on. The reason why most of us think we're okay with God is because we forgot how to repent. It is in a session of true repentance when you realize how far from God we really are. You know when God got a hold of Daniel and he brought Daniel in and he began to reveal things to him. He said, Daniel, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to bring revival. The Bible says Daniel fell on his face and began to cry out to God and say, oh God, I am an unclean clean man we are an unclean people our lips are unclean cleanse us oh God cleanse us you think Daniel would have just sort of danced a little bit and Daniel would have said my 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 I must be a great guy I must be pretty cool the way the Lord's talking to me I must be the hot tat tat notch of the echelon going on around here all the revelation God is giving me. No, that's not what Daniel did. Oh, God. I don't deserve this revelation. I don't deserve this Holy Ghost. I don't deserve this blessing. I don't deserve this great God. That's what Daniel did. Why? Because Daniel understood who he really was. We'll never be good enough. We'll never be great enough. Listen, this is not a message of condemnation. Nation, I'm trying to help us get back in the presence of God where we belong. Because 90% of us came to the house of God today thinking in our heart and in our mind that When we are so full of it, so full of carnality, so full of anger, so full of lust and greed and want and selfishness and conceitedness, if that's a word, and all of these things that fill our hearts and our spirit. And the reason why we're unaware of them is because we have learned to live with them. They have become our company that we
we keep every day. We walk with them every day. We've adjusted to them. Oh, yes, we have. My God, we live better with them than we do God. We get along with our flesh better than we do God. We get along with our carnality better than we do the one that saved us. Why? Because we're closer to it. We fellowship more with it. Huh? Yeah. We hardly ever fellowship with God until you make your way to the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. And I know I'm preaching to the cream of the crop. I feel so horrible when I preach like this. I'm so sorry, but you deserve it. And so do I. I go home and listen to my own messages. I'm here to help us be saved. God didn't bring a pastor to West Palm Beach to make you feel good. He brought a man and a family that in the face will preach the word of God and the truth. Because it's going to bring us closer. It's going to draw us nearer. I'm telling you, if we learn how to repent all over again, it's going to change our lives. It's going to change our walk. It's going to change this church. I wonder what would happen on a Sunday morning if everybody walked into this building having truly repented in your heart. Cleanse yourself out. What would take place inside of here? But instead what we get is God trying to make his way around carnality. God trying to push his way through lust. God trying to force his way through greed and selfishness and self-will. Somehow God trying to find a way to have a move of the spirit pushing through all of this junk. What if we can learn how to repent all over again? How to cry out to God? How to open our heart? And let God cleanse us of the filthiness that's in us. Let's love him together. What a wonderful God. Some of our problem is we don't even know what repentance is. (laughs) We think repentance is feeling bad about something. Well, I shouldn't have done that. Man, I feel bad. Whew, man, I feel better now. I feel better that I felt bad. We think that's repentance. We let the wrong things drive us to repentance. We wait till we feel hopeless before we repent before God. We wait till we feel despondency in our life. Before we find ourselves on our face before God. But that's not what Ezekiel said. Prophesying about the church. Ezekiel said, when I bless you, when I feel you, when I care for you, when I love you, when everything's good, no more famine. I filled your barns with corn. I filled your life with blessings. He said, that is when I want you on your face repenting. Why? Because now it's true. It's not a fake repentance. It's not a scared repentance. 
I'm being scared into it. I fear. I'm afraid. I'm worried. I might get caught. I might be exposed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you mess up and you come to repentance, you know, that, that, that's okay. You, you should do it. You have to do it. You got to get it right. But that's not the kind of repentance God's talking about. Said when you're obeying my law, when everything's going good, when you're living for me, and you think everything's okay, when I'm blessing you, when when I've touched you, I touched your kids, I touched your marriage, I filled your barns. The blessings of God are all over you. The anointing is covering you. He said that is when true, real repentance can come from the heart. I'm not coming to you, God, because I'm afraid I'm going to be exposed. I'm not coming to you, God, because I've done something wrong and I just feel guilty and my repentance isn't really repentance. It's just guilt. It's just, it's just produced out of some crazy idea that if I don't repent, God is going to forsake me. Maybe that's a healthy fear, but it's a lie. He will never leave you. No matter how bad you get, He will never leave you. He will follow you and wait for you to turn around. And we'll get to that in a minute. Now, while you are in your stupor sinful situation, you fall off a cliff and die. He might float down while you fall. But if you die, so as a tree lieth, so shall it. And that will be the end. So I'm not preaching eternal security. I'm just telling you that repentance, because you fear God's going to forsake you of a sin in your life, is not repentance at all. It's just fear. And here's the problem with us. We have not really been repenting. We've been reacting. We've been reacting, reacting because mama caught us with our hand in the cookie jar. I'm sorry, mama. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's how we do God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know why? You never repent it. You never even took your hand out of the cookie drawer. You weren't repenting. You just feeling bad. And you come into the presence of God and you stay just long enough to feel good. The moment he touches you, I'm all right. Everything's good. And you know what? Everything is good as long as you stay out of the kitchen. But the moment you walk back in the kitchen, there's that cookie jar. Oh, sorry. Now, Lord, it's not my fault. It's just the weakness in me. Your hand goes right back. Why? 
because you never repented. You just felt bad. And the moment God touched you, you felt like you were cleansed and everything was just perfectly fine. Listen to me and listen to me well. This is why God says true repentance comes when everything's going good. Watch me. True repentance comes when there is no sin in your life. Well, you know, we always have that, but you know what I'm talking about. There is no guilt. There's no perplexity. There's no uh, adversity, no horrible situation that's driving you to your, to your face to, to pray and call out to God and to repent. But actually, you had a pretty good service today. You're feeling great. The power of God is on you. The anointing of the Lord is all over. Things are going fantastic. Things are going well. And all God says, this, not when I call you, not when I draw you, but on your own volition, when everything is good and the power of God is moving on you, he said, this is when you ought to walk into your room when your barns are full when my spirit is in you when the power is upon you when the glory is about you when there is no condemnation there is no guilt there is none of this mess going on you're actually walking he says that is when you ought to walk into your room and put yourself down upon that floor and lay your body down and throw your hands out and begin to cry out to God. You know why? Because now in the middle of that situation. God will begin to bring things to your memory. Now through the spirit. Not guilt. Not condemnation. None of that. But the Holy Ghost will reveal. And when God brings it up. True repentance can come out. And when true repentance comes real forgiveness and power to overcome will enter to your life come on church God's trying to teach us how to repent when to repent love him one more time praise him give him some praise Repentance is uh, meeting God halfway. <laughs> Some of us repent like we're doing God a favor. Lord, let me get let me get back right so I can become a blessing to your kingdom again. I know you've been missing the way I seen Jesus. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, you mess up. Mess your life up. God gave you a talent. And I'm going to pick on singers. I'm dealing with everybody. Get that talent. And then you get a little urge. Huh? You won't get back singing. You won't get back playing drums. You want to get back to your ministry. And so what you do is you go through a false stage of repentance. But nothing has changed in you. All you're doing is repenting and fixing a few things in your life so you can be exalted. 
Not him. Am I preaching or what? You better believe it. Most of our repentance comes out of the foundation of exalting myself. I'm fixing this so I can look good again in the eyes of the people. I can get back up on the stage and sing with my little heavenly voice and praise God and be a blessing to the kingdom. That's not repentance. No, not at all. Yeah, you know, we'll... I'm not talking about the kind of repentance where a sinner comes off the street and they make their way down and they repent for the first time of their sins and all of that. Ezekiel wasn't writing to sinners. Ezekiel was writing to the church. He said, after I put my spirit in you, after I baptize you in my name and cleanse you of your sins, after you become obedience to my command, after I fill your borns with corn, after all of these wonderful things, he's preaching to the church, to the redeemed. He's preaching to me and you about what it means to repent and to have a repentant life. My prayer is that sometimes during this week, each and every one of us will take the time, whether we feel like we need to or not, and we will bring repentance back into our life. We're not praying for anything. We're not asking God to bless nothing. We're not asking God to heal anything. We're not asking God to put anything back together. We're not asking God to do anything at all. Open doors, closed doors, whatever it may be. We're not asking him nothing. It's just about me and you. God, I'm on my face before you. Because, oh, God, I need to fix me. I need to fix me. I need to, I need to get things right in here, God. And, Lord, I don't even know what they are. I can't even begin to name you. Name any of them to you, God. But the Lord, the longer you stay before him it becomes real he'll begin to bring one or two things up he's not going to unload it all on you you'll have a nervous breakdown you'll walk away from that prayer meeting saying it's hopeless but he'll reveal one little thing to you and at that moment he'll give you the power to conquer it if you'll truly pursue it. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let me continue just a little bit here. Repentance is not, is not meeting God halfway. Repentance is not about escaping hell. Neither does repentance automatically make things right. There's some things that we do that have consequences. And even though we repent and we are forgiven and it's cleansed out of our life, it doesn't mean the consequences will not remain. They will. You're a young lady and you get pregnant out of wedlock and you find out that you're pregnant, you can truly, honestly repent, understand your mistake. The church will love you. We, if you don't marry, the man leaves and you don't even know who it is, whatever the case may be, or he's just a jerk and doesn't marry you, the church will help you raise that baby. We will love you. We will stand with you. God will love you. God will stand with you. He will forgive you of that sin, but that baby will still come. In nine months, that little baby is going to take a breath, and that baby is going to cost you a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I had four of them. Thank God they were all with my wife. That's a good start. And they were all after we were married. Because I promise you, them kids would not have turned out the way they did without that woman right there. In fact, they probably wouldn't have lived. All right, I'm getting off track. Everybody say repent. Repentance isn't necessarily fixing a wrong. You may have to face your consequences. But if you're truly repentant, God will give you the ability and the strength to stand and try to do your best to correct whatever wrong it was and to fix things right. Come on. Ah, I feel like God's helping us a little bit here today. You cannot will repentance. It's a gift from God. Now that's scary. Even when you walk into your room and everything is going great and everything is perfect and everything is fine. And you walk into that room and you throw yourself on your floor. If God chooses at that moment not to grant repentance. It will not come. It is a gift. From God. Which is all the more reason. That you and I. Are to take advantage. Of every time. We feel God pull us. Into repentance. Can you love him? We love you Jesus. I'm trying to get to my message. Acts 11 and 18, God grants repentance. Romans 2 and 4, God leads us into repentance. John 15 and 16, he chose us. We didn't choose him. Romans 1 and 28, if God wants to, he'll give you a reprobate mind. And you'll never be able to repent again. I want to deal with three Greek words and then I'm going to be done. I'll never reach with all the other stuff I feel the Lord has given us. But there will be another time. The three words that the Bible uses for repentance. And the, the first one is a verb. It's, it's metamelomiai or whatever it is. And, and it means, a, it means a, a change of mind. Now, you better listen to me because this is where most of us live. We have a change of mind, but we do not have a change of heart. We recognize what we're doing is wrong. And we may repent of it. And change our ways, but our heart remain cold. That's right. The Bible says Judas repented. But it uses, it uses this word. It, de it doesn't use the word in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you. That's a different word. This word, this word right here. It means to have remorse. It means to have guilt. It means to recognize wrong, but not to have a change of heart. Judas realized he had done wrong. He took his money and he cast it at the feet of the priest. And the priest said to him, what do we have to do with it? I'm telling you right now, you better be careful if you place the value of your repentance on religion. 
Because religion will fail you. You walk into a little booth and confess to some priest and walk out like you think you are forgiven. You better be careful on putting the value of your repentance on a man. Because a man cannot forgive you. Religion cannot redeem you. You cannot put a value of your walk with God and being faithful to some church, some religion, some tradition and say, well, I was born this way. I'll die that way. I'm saved. Grandma saved. Great, great grandma was saved. You don't know nothing about nobody. The only people saved are the people that God looks at and says, well done, enter in, thou good and faithful child. Everybody else goes to hell. It don't matter how much they went to church or what they believed or what they did. You got to be careful where you base your repentance. And this is where most of us live, right? Matthew 27 and verse number 3 talks about, uh, talks about uh, Judas there. This repentance comes from the spirit of a man. It comes, it comes out of guilt. And you and I will do something that's not right. We'll get guilty. We'll come down. We'll repent over it. But nothing about us changes. Uh, I saw this little item one time, and uh, it was a locking lid for a cookie drawer. Now, I could probably use one of those, Sister Torloy. I told the men this today. We've been teaching on discipline. I'm sorry, character. And... Uh, we studied four levels of character. The first one was discipline. And we talked about, you know, how to, how to discipline ourselves. And there's two layers of discipline. And one of them is the layer of uh, delayed gratification. And the other is pre or advance something. Advance planning. So... If, if I'm, oh, that's what sugar will do to your bones. Oh, my wife points at the steps. That's why I have you, baby. If I see something and I want it right then, discipline says, wait a minute. I'm going to go home. I'm going to talk to my wife about it. We're going to think about it. We're going to pray about it. And if the Lord says, okay, then we'll, we'll go forward with it. That's called discipline, right? Advanced planning, which is a part of discipline, says, I know that I have weaknesses. So I am going to remove things out of my life and out of my reach so that when I am weak, I still can't reach them. I'm trying to discipline myself. I was sitting on the couch a couple of days ago, and I remembered that there was vanilla ice cream in the freezer. <laughs> now, me and ice cream do not get along. And when I eat ice cream, me and nobody else gets along. <laughs> but the longer I sat there and the more I thought about that ice cream, 
So what I did was, I, in my mind, I just started shrinking how much of it I was going to give. I went from no to little, to little more, to that's good enough. But when I went to the freezer and got the jug out, there was no control. When that ice cream dipper went inside of that vanilla ice cream, oh, everything in your body starts shaking. Oh, pure lust. Put it in the bowl. Now, advanced planning would have threw that gallon of ice cream away so that when I was sitting on the couch, my thought would have been, I can't believe you threw that ice cream away. And you can get mad at yourself, but that's okay. You can't yield. You can't give in. You've learned to discipline yourself. But here's the real problem. The real problem is I still have a problem. I never fixed that problem. And there's a lot of places that sell ice cream. And I've never really repented of eating ice cream. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I probably never will. I just don't think it's sin. <laughs> and I'm afraid some of us find ourselves in that situation as well. And some of our lack of repentance is we have convinced ourselves, well, it's just not sin. We as the church need to get back to God's word and find out what sin really is. And make sure that it's not us that has convinced ourselves of something that's not sin. And make sure that the word is okay of whatever it is that is going on in our life here. Let me get to the second word. So that first word is just feeling bad about something. That's where most of us, we live. So we get caught. Things go wrong. We feel bad about it. We come to the house of God. We do our little repentance. God touches us. We feel like we're forgiven. Everything's okay. We've repented of our sin. And we go right back doing the same thing right over again. Because we never really truly repented over what it was that was going on inside of our life. And here's how I know this. The next word was metallic which is the word that is used in Acts 2.38. It goes beyond just, just recognizing that something's wrong. It enters into the area of knowledge. It is, it is a repentance that gains knowledge into your life and you receive understanding. The Bible says that his people are destroyed for lack of and so when we don't have knowledge about things, uh, we have no precedence in which to repent about something if it is wrong. Where do we get that knowledge? We get it from the Word of God. So why did Peter use this word? I'll tell you why. He was dealing with a specific thing. He had preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says when the people around became aware, when they understood, when they received the knowledge that 
they had crucified the Christ. They had crucified the Messiah. They said, what is it that we need to do? Simon said, you need to repent. Repent of what? Repent of what God has just revealed to you and has given you knowledge that you have done wrong. Lay that down on the altar. But what I love about this word is it goes beyond that. It's not just a repenting of. It is a drawing to. That's why Simon Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's love him together. The beauty is, is that when this word is used, it is usually used in conjunction with another word that is called epistrapiacal. Yes, I'm close, I'm close. It means to turn over. And the words, the two concepts come together. The word is used in Acts 9 and 35. And all that dwelled at Lydia and Sharon saw him. And they turned to the Lord. Now, this turn to the Lord, it is the combination of the word repent, like Acts 2.38, where one receives knowledge and truly repents before God. A revelation of knowledge that comes from God. But it's more than that. It's more than just repenting. It's taking another step and coming to God. Acts 11 and 21 tells us the same thing. Acts 26 and 18 tells us the same thing and deals with forgiveness of sins. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9. All of these deal with repenting and turning to God. Here's my point. I said, all that, say this. A true repentance is more than just feeling somewhat regretful. In fact, if we find ourselves repenting about something, and then we find ourselves repeating it, one of the best things you can do is study that subject in God's Word. Why? Because now you are adding biblical knowledge to your repentance. And when you add biblical knowledge, the next time you get down on your face, it's not just going to be you feeling bad about something. It's going to be you understanding how much God hates it. Do you see the difference? It's one thing me saying, oh, God, I'm sorry I lied. I'm sorry I told that lie. It's another thing me getting in that word and finding out the one of the seven things that is abomination in the sight of God is a liar. 
And when I understand that what I did wasn't just a lie, but I literally created and, and performed an abomination in the sight of God. And when I receive that knowledge, it strikes deeper into my heart. And when I lay upon my face before him and I understand that and I begin to repent of that, what happens is then God visits me with the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of how not just to feel bad about it, not just repent about it, but how to turn from it and begin to walk to God and how to put an action to stop what I'm doing. And it will not come until you receive knowledge and you understand just how much God hates it. And when that gets a hold of you, the next time you feel that temptation, it's not just going to be you being tempted. It's going to be you saying, there's going to be this ugliness that's going to come on you. There's going to be this feeling of filth. And what's happening? It's that revelation that God gave you of how much he hates that act, how much he hates that thought, how much he hates that deed. And that revelation is going to begin to rise up and you're going to begin to feel the filth and you're going to feel the hatred that God has in that area. And that temptation is going to lose its power and it's going to fade away. And instead of boldness, it's going to rise and you're going to get up and you're going to say, and don't don't you ever come back. You have been exposed. You convinced me it wasn't that bad. It was okay. It's all right. You can just repent. Everything's going to be okay. You never revealed to me how it hurt God. I never saw how much he hated it. I never knew that, that if I had hate in my heart towards my brother, if I was offended towards my brother, offended towards my sister, and I had hate in my heart toward them, I never understood it quite so much, God, how much that hurt you and how much it offends in the fact that you were willing to love me over my faults, but I'm not willing to love my brother over his. But I want to tell you, when you begin to study and you begin to get revelation and God gives you knowledge and understanding and when you truly repent and the spirit comes into your life and explodes this thing in you, it's more than just a little knowledge, more than just a little understanding. It goes beyond that. Now entering into that is the spirit and the power to be able to turn from it. And now you have blended into your spirit God's knowledge and understanding and God's hatred toward it. And every time it shows its faith it you hate it like God hates it and it's kind of hard yielding to something you hate no wonder Paul the apostle and I'm closing no wonder Paul the apostle said those things I used to love I now hate what is he hating he's hating the things God hates and those things I used to hate I now love What's he loving? He's loving the things that God loves. Through the power of repentance, he has learned what God hates. 
And through the power of repentance, he has learned what God wants. Now, listen to me. 90% of our prayer is us talking to God. We hardly ever let God talk to us. And he's got so much to do. How many of y'all have had this experience? You come to the altar and you're praying about something you did, something you said. You're repenting. And, you know, you, 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 we do our normal thing, right? So we get it out. God touches us. We're good. And but, but what happened was something kind of hooked into you. And so you go deeper into prayer and, and deeper. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of this beautiful experience in God, he says, oh, by the way, I want to talk to you about something. And he'll bring something up. And while you're talking in tongues, the mouth is open. Wow. You're still talking in tongues, but the Lord's speaking to you. Your old brain is working. Say that again. And then the Lord will begin to deal. It's at that moment that you can receive power. Over that area of your life. Because you have entered into true. Repentance. Remember. Only God. Can grant repentance. That's why it's important we fall on our face and cry out to him. Let's stand. We cry out to him in continual repentance. Why? Because while you're naming stuff you know. God will begin to name stuff he knows. And that's what he really wants us to talk about. And so what is repentance? God says, when everything's going good, and you feel like you got everything under control, and it's been 22 minutes since you sinned, It'd be a record for most of us. That's when you come to me. After I filled your borns. Church, this is powerful. We'll get a hold of it. After I have blessed you. After I have filled you with my spirit. After I have buried you in my name and washed away your past. After I have done all of these wonderful things to you, and you are walking in my blessings, he said, that's when I want you to come to me. And I want you to loathe your flesh. That means to hate with a disdain. Prostrate yourself before me. 
and loathe your flesh so that I can move upon you. And then I, God says, I will grant you repentance. I will tell you what I want to deal with today. And in the middle of your prayer, I'll bring it up. And then me and you can start talking about it. But that kind of repentance isn't what we normally do, simply responding to guilt. That repentance is knowledge from God, revelation from the Lord, receiving his hatred for it in our life, and in turn receiving power to conquer it. And this is the kind of repentance that God is asking the sanctuary of the Palm Beaches to do. I'm not talking about today, but it must become a part of our lives. It's only one o'clock. I wonder if you would be willing to make your way down to the front. Pastor hasn't done this in a while. By the way, I'm working on a few revivals. We're going to try to have some where you can feel like you can actually bring a guest. Pastor won't scare away. I want to, I want to see us begin to pray people through baptisms. But I want to know that they're being born in a healthy mother. Mother that's not full of hang-ups, hatred, bitterness, selfishness. But a mom that has learned to pray. Learn to repent. And lay ourselves open before God. Listen. I am telling you that what pastor... But the Lord has spoken to us today. We'll give you power. Power over the areas in your life that hold you down. We have forgotten how to repent. How to call on God. this is what we're going to do today. We're going to repent as a church. And so I want you to kind of get close enough where everybody can put their hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. 